free. The eighth track from Prince's 1999 album is the subject of the latest episode of the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics podcast. Be glad that you are free. Free to change your mind. Free to listen to podcasts that dissect lyrics of popular musicians. And free to join me on this particular episode is Laura Tebert. Hi, Laura. Hey, Jason. Glad to be here. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, this is the first episode that you've done with me for the 1999 album. So it's been a little bit. Can you um, just say hi to the listeners and maybe provide them a little bit of uh, update to what you've been doing and since your last appearance on the show? or Yeah, of course. Oh, my gosh. Thanks so much. Yeah, so um, I am an author. Uh, I am uh, the co-author of a book called The Rise of Prince, which I wrote with Alex Hahn, a Prince biographer. Uh, and, you know, this whole crazy uh, journey of being a Prince author started, you know, in 2016 for me. Um our, our family moved to Chanhassen uh, from Chicago three weeks before Prince died. And I've always been a Prince fan. Um, and I reached out to Alex and, you know, together we wound up writing uh, the book, t- the book. And, you know, as, as I was writing that book, I kind of realized that Prince had obviously left this incredible musical legacy, but he'd also left uh, a gift you know, hiding in plain sight. And that was how he lived his life. And I, I realized he'd left clues about how to live this extraordinary life through these deliberate decisions he made. You know, Prince was very intentional. And that inspired me to embark on a year-long project, uh, which I began in January 2019. And it's called Crazy Amazing, The Year of Living Like Prince. So that's what I'm doing on my blog, lauratebert.com. And uh, yeah, it's changed my life in ways I could never have imagined. And the hope is that it will change the lives of a lot of people as they learn about it. Yeah, no, it's very, it's a very interesting journey you're on. And I've been following it as well through your blog. And, uh, you know, you're you're really up to a lot of really cool things, Laura. And, <laughs> and I imagine a lot of that is, as you mentioned, um, your uncomfort zone, I think, from a previous episode, which is very cool, but kind of scary at the same time, right? That's right. But, you know, Prince has, you know, he's pushed, he always pushed people, right? And in a strange way, just through my own research about him, I, I think he inspired me to push my own self. So, um, yeah, so I am the purple guinea pig trying all sorts of crazy things. And um, November's theme is form a band. So I have been putting together a band of people um, in my own field. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, December's theme is going to be um, be outrageously generous uh, because, you know, we know now so much about Prince's quiet philanthropy. So I've got something big planned um, where people can join in and, and we're going to work to raise money um, for something that was dear to Prince's heart. Wow. Sounds great. Sounds yeah. great. Can't yeah. wait to learn more about that. <laughs> yeah, thanks. And um, as you mentioned, it is the season. So this song, Free, is a bit of a left turn for Prince. And that's the song we're going to be doing together today is, is Free from 1999. And it's a bit of a left turn on this record. So for for the entire album up to this point, it's been a very, you know, Lindra machine, synth, synthesizer-driven album. And it's filled with lyrics that, you know, imply love, lust, heartache, 
all intertwined with a bit of technology and uh, maybe a little bit of a fear of the future. But Free is, is a bit of a different track, you know, than those other songs that have come before it. It's more piano-driven than um, synthesizer-driven. And it's, it's, it's a ballad, but it's not a love ballad. It's a slow song, but it's not, it's not based off of, you know, relationships or talking about love in the traditional sense that, you know, ballads have been kind of become known for. It comes across like as a very sincere song that's meant to be uplifting. And uh, for us to kind of t- take stock in what we have and be thankful for it, and which is very fitting. This episode is being recorded right around the time of Thanksgiving. And whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, those are two holidays where, you know, it's it's a good time to reflect on our lives and, you know, who's important to us. Uh, taking stock, like I said, in what we have and not necessarily talking about material things, but just what are the what are the good things in our lives that we want to be thankful for and to show appreciation for. And Free is kind of one of those songs for me personally that does that. How about for yourself, Laura? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It's Free, Free is a love song. Um, it's a love song to freedom. I mean, freedom was you know near and dear to Prince's heart. I mean, it, it was one of the great themes of his work throughout his life. And um, it, it, it's arguably the most important theme, but it's certainly one of the one of the top, you know, two or three themes that he came back to time and time again. And um, it is it is a left turn on this album. I mean, I. I visited the org, um, you know, prince.org to get a, a flavor for what people thought of free. And I was sort of shocked to find that it was very polarizing. You know, a mm. lot of people don't even think it belongs on the album. You know, it, it's, I guess you either love it or hate it, you know? So I'm kind of curious to hear what you think, Jason. <laughs> what <laughs> camp you fall into? Because it certainly is, um, it is a different, it, 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 it sort of does go to the beat of its own drum, right? It, it doesn't. It doesn't fit um, with a lot of the feel of these other songs. But it. It to me, it's a very significant song in uh, Prince's body of work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And in free is even though it's a left turn at this point in the in the record, it's the eighth song. It, if you had the double LP, it would be the last song on the third side or side C. So it closes out that half of the record. And it's time for a break, you know? I mean, we've had up to this point a lot of songs that are starting to get as, as brilliant as they are and as creative as they are. They're starting to get a little same sounding in terms of very uh, Lindrum heavy drum machine synthesizer driven songs. Up, we've had DMSR, we've had uh, Automatic, we've had Something in the Water, all very kind of cold and robotic sounds. Even though DMSR is a party song, the way it was created is is that way in a, and using that technology that Prince was really into at the time. But this song harkens back more to some of his other strengths, which, I mean, he's obviously a very brilliant piano player, and that translates to his ability to play his synthesizers. 
And so we've got some piano in this song. We really haven't heard a lot of piano up to this point on this record. And the second half of the song, you start getting guitar again. And now guitar has been interspersed throughout the album here and there, but it's it's not. This isn't a very guitar heavy album, I wouldn't say. And this song is just. I think it's needed. I think it is a good break for uh, a lot of the themes. Because if you didn't get another song about you know a, a bad relationship or feeling kind of crummy about a girl that he's met, it, it, you know, we just needed we needed a new theme. And Free does that. Free offers that new theme to the album. And while p- if people don't like it, maybe they don't like it because it's it's slow. Maybe they think it's boring. I, I don't know why people wouldn't like this song. I think it's a great song. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful song. I agree. Okay, I'm glad we are on the same page. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I love this album so much. So there's no bad songs on it for me personally. No, and you know what? We should note we're recording this, um, you know, in anticipation of the re-release, right, of of yeah. the extended version of 1999 yep. on Friday and. Uh, yeah, so it's it that's like Christmas morning for Prince fans, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. there's a lot to be thankful for. That'll be an exciting time. But yeah, I I do think I do agree. You know, on 1999, he's he's challenging people. You know, on a sexual, social, I mean, sometimes even political level, right? I mean, it's it's very dramatic. You know, and and you know, most artists weren't doing that. I mean, they stayed within certain boundaries and. You know, he was trying to get people to think in wider ways, you know, and and, you know, he was really pushing the boundaries of pop. So. Um, so, yeah, I guess here we have, you know, maybe a little room to breathe and stretch out uh, with free. And you're right. It, it does feel like a much needed pause and uh, in the album. And I I remember how how free made me feel, you know, at, when I heard 1999, I remember it's got a very intimate feel because of the piano and his voice is very vulnerable and it's beautiful. I think it, I think it is needed on the album. Yeah. And, and if it's, if people are uh, ragging on it for being kind of sappy and overly patriotic, uh, I mean, I don't really get that personally from listening to it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being thankful that you are in a position to make choices for yourself and like you said earlier, freedom, Prince was all about freedom, freedom of expression, um, freedom to free, freedom from his his uh, uh, record label later on in his career. I mean, emancipation, freedom. Hello. So it's it's all right there. And at the, of course, he couldn't foresee those struggles in 1982 when he wrote the song. But it's very clear that this is an important topic to him. And I never got the sense that. Prince was one to write a song to just appease uh, a portion of the population. Like he wasn't thinking to himself, well, in order to gain the widest audience, I have to put a real patriotic song in there. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't get that there's anything but sincerity in his voice on this track. And it isn't, it isn't a calculated, I didn't feel like it was a calculated move in order to push more units because this song is buried in the second half. It wasn't a single so if that was the intent of it, uh, it was misguided. Right. So that's why I don't think it was the intent. 
No, I don't. I, yeah, I don't get that either. I mean, I, you know, honestly, too, I, I, there's been a lot of talk now about 1999, you know, in terms of publicity before the release. And, and, you know, I was sort of struck that um, maybe some of this does relate to Warner's. And it, we're just seeing the very, very beginning of, of that with Prince because Bobby Z. Um, told The Current that even with 1999, Prince was starting to get frustrated with Warners. I mean, he made this double album, right? He he was producing so much work during this time period. He, um, he wrote Free in April of 1982, right? And he, he was just so prolific and he was able to, you know, keep up this incredible pace. He wanted to be like James Brown, you know, putting out an album every six months. And even though 1999 to, to me and I know a lot of probably to a lot of listeners was an introduction to Prince. This is album number five. Yeah. You know, this this was not to Prince and the band, according to Bobby, it felt like this was a long time. This was a long haul. And um, Prince was already, according to Bobby, um, Prince was already chafing uh, against the constraints of of Warner's. So, um, you know, I, I think that we can read some of that into into these lyrics, but we I don't want to get ahead of us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, if you get to that point in the lyrics, and you, and you, um, you feel like some of those lines can, can point to that. Certainly, bring that up because you know, for me, I never think of Prince fighting his record label until the '90s, and so it's really interesting to hear that perspective. And I didn't, I didn't listen to that uh, interview with Bobby Z, so I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. So that's very interesting to me. So please chime in with that comments those comments if there's lines in the song that you think really kind of point to his frustration already growing with his record label even as early as 1982 for sure yeah well you know it's prince i mean we know from um all the research that prince was impatient um to, <laughs> to put it nicely <laughs> so <laughs> in a way yeah. it's not surprising that this was starting to bubble up in 1982 but no. um but yeah certainly i mean i i don't read this as as even though there are political um tones to it i don't read it as solely a political um, or patriotic statement. I mean, kind of far from it. I, I I think there are a lot of other layers to it that are not, you know, that go well beyond patriotism. Sort of that's sort of the surface view of it. I think, but yeah, yeah. we'll we'll talk. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good segue into actually starting to talk about the lyrics of the song. Yeah. But but before we do that, I have to ask you because the song opens up. And there's a lot of sound effects on this album. And that's, we can thank Sunset Sound Studios, I'm assuming, uh, for a lot of those those sounds and interesting sonic tidbits that he puts in this record. So there's some sounds that open up that song. And I have very distinct ideas in my mind what those sounds are. But I want to get your opinion, Laura. What, what do you hear when this song opens up before it even gets to the piano and the lyrics? I have always heard marching, the sound of marching boots in the rain. Uh, yeah. Have you heard anything different? No, no. I hear marching too. And and kind of sounds like waves crashing a little bit. Um, there's some, there's some, and you know, the rain. 
makes sense as well. There's obviously, to me, there's water somewhere in, in the background. And I kind of hear like the sound of waves crashing. And it made me think a little bit of like soldiers uh, storming the beach at Normandy in World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just one um, visual visualization I get when I hear that. But yeah, to me, it is it is boots on the ground kind of marching along and there's some water in the background, whether it's rain or waves from the ocean or what have you. But that's what I've always heard. Uh, I've read other people's interpretations of that those that sound at the beginning of the song, and it is not that. Like they have some pretty interesting, and I wouldn't say far out there because everybody's opinion is, is valid, but um, and our interpretation is valid. But I've heard some things like, oh, "Really, you get that out of that?" Because <laughs> I I never got anything but that. And so we're sounds like we're on the same page. Part of it, I'm sure, because of the the lyrics of the song, what the song is, you know, on the surface about, I try to visualize what that sound could be in the context of what the lyrics are telling us and what the song seems to be telling us. And that's why I get boots. And that's why I get, because, you know, if you're talking about fighting for your freedom, and then the bridge, well, as we get to the bridge, there's some lines in there that, lend some credence to what you and I are hearing in that beginning. So mm-hmm. it's not, it's not lyrics and I, you know, want to spend a lot of time on it, but I, because it is open to interpretation, I wanted to, of course, get your interpretation. So <laughs> <laughs> we're on the same page. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I get a kick out of the sound effects and honestly, sometimes Prince could be Mr. Literal, you know, and <laughs> like yeah. a cab driver with a cab. <clears throat> Honking, beep beep, you know. Um, so I guess I just took it literally because uh, because that's that's how he used the the sound effects and other stuff. I mean, it, it, I sort of got the feeling that Prince might have, you know, it felt like a kid in a candy store with yeah. all these cool sound effects and yeah, but um, but certainly uh, there may be more to it than than we're hearing. So I, I always like to hear what others take from it. But uh, yeah, to me, boots on the ground in the rain. Okay. For sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've got that established. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. now, so now we've got lyric. The first lyrics to the song, with the piano in the background, he sings over the piano, Don't sleep until the sunrise. Listen to the falling rain. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about your pain. Don't cry unless you're happy. Don't smile unless you're blue. Never let that lonely monster take control of you. So he's um kind of telling us to set aside our worries and our fears in some ways. And some of these fears, you know, at, at times I'm thinking, is he even singing this song to himself in some ways? Because he expresses a lot of fear in the rest of the album up to this point. Fear of nuclear war, fear of not being able to... What's the line in Little Red Corvette where he t- says that he's... Oh, yeah. A, uh, wondering if I had enough wondering class. Wondering if I had enough class. So that's, that's kind right. of like an insecurity. That's kind of a fear as well. 
Um, he expresses fear in like automatic and something in the water of you know fear about his inability to satisfy another woman that he's interested in so in some ways i think of that but for the most part i just take from this first verse that he's kind of setting the tone for the song about being very poetic these lines are very poetic talking about sunrise and rain and um, and then the third line, don't cry unless you're happy, don't smile unless you're blue. What do you get uh, from the first verse overall and those lines in particular, Laura? Well, I think you're on to something. I was going to ask you if you thought he was singing this to himself, you know, because it, it sounds like a lullaby, doesn't it? The way he sounds, the way he sings it, it's almost like the way you'd sing to a child. Mm -hmm. And it it's... Of course, we know Prince didn't sleep till the sunrise often, so I guess yep. he was following his own advice. But, you know, I, I do have to say that don't sleep till the sunrise, listen to the falling rain. You know, this album is an album of great first lines. You know, I, I feel like he really was putting some effort into his writing and, you know, from something in the water, people tell me I've got great legs you know, or, or Little Red Corvette, you know, I guess I should have known by the way she parked her car sideways that it wouldn't last. I mean, these are great first lines. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. um, I, I just want to note that, like, that is some really killer writing he's doing here. But yeah, I think, um, I think it's really poignant. The line you brought up, don't cry unless you're happy, don't smile unless you're blue. Never let the lonely monster take control of you. I mean, to me, the lonely monster is depression. Yeah. Right? I mean, and and we know that, that Prince struggled with depression. I mean, we know that, for example, from, you know, Judith Hill um, uh, testified to that in her investigation documents that Prince was suffering with depression and feeling very down at the end of his life. We know that that was something. So it's, that's very, it's very poignant you know, the way he's he's saying, don't sleep, don't worry, don't cry, don't let the lonely monster. I mean, he's it's it's all what you know, I guess what not to do, but it's also very sort of childlike and tender. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, he sings the song in his falsetto in a very tender way. So he he's not so his falsetto has obviously been part of his the way he sang songs up to this point very regularly, but 1999 is an album where he kind of breaks away from that for the first time, consistently breaks away from that. And for this song, because it's because it's a bit of a ballad and it's slow, and he tends to go to his upper register for ballads. He's always done that mm. uh, and throughout his career. And so it makes sense for him to sing this song in his falsetto and it's done very tenderly and very gently. And it matches the music and matches the tone of the song. So it makes sense that he's not going to, you know, sing these lyrics really aggressively, you know, and fast. Because that's not that's not what the, the point he's trying to make with this. Like you said, a lullaby is something that you want to sing very softly and very sweetly and very tenderly to the person. Whether it's yourself or whether it's to somebody else or to an audience. And it's very clear to me that he sings it that way for a reason to really drive home the point that this is supposed to be a very sincere and tender song. Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, the way he opens it is such a contrast from the boots, right? The boom, 
boom, boom, mm-hmm. right? You hear the army marching. And then it and then it's so delicate the way he opens it with the piano and the falsetto. <laughs> and it, it's a huge contrast. It's really, really brilliant. It's um it's sort of the harshness of this sort of outside world. And then there's this cocoon, right? Of tenderness inside of it. Yeah, good point. That's um, a nice, nice way of putting it for sure. So after that first verse, it goes into the chorus. The chorus is. Be glad that you are free, free to change your mind, free to go most anywhere, anytime. Be glad that you are free. There's many a man who's not. Be glad for what you had, baby, what you've got. Be glad for what you've got. Mm-hmm. And now we're in the chorus. So the chorus, it kind of reinforces the notion that was brought up earlier about his appreciation Appreciation for for his position, appreciation for our position as listeners to his music, because one can maybe assume, maybe not completely accurately assume, but for the most part, if you're listening to a Prince album in 1982, the chances are you're living in a possibly democratic society or at least in a society that allows art to be expressed and to be um, consumed as opposed to living in like a dictatorship or some sort of tyrannical society where, you know, a Prince album <laughs> might get banned, uh, especially this one. But, you know, at this point he's had several albums with some, some questionable lyrics and some um, controversial topics. So if you can listen to the song, you can hear him sing these words. You're probably in a position that mirrors Prince's where being thankful that you have those freedoms that you can you can go anywhere anytime that you can think what you want and if you think one way tomorrow you can change your mind and that's okay because once again there's many a man who's not free and he's talking about i'm assuming not just you know freedom in the world but also and this may be a stretch but i also think of you know mental health a little bit mm-hmm. people who are People who are not free in their mind, they may be living in the United States or living in Europe and living in a democratic society, but in their mind, they may not feel like they're free because of, you know, um, a mental health issue that they may have where they're self-doubting or self-loathing and a little bit paralyzed by fear to go places and do things, um, I mean, what else do you get from the chorus? Yeah, I mean, you know what? That that brings up the um, the line from uh, Starfish and Coffee. You know, if you'd set your mind free, baby, <clears throat> right? So, I mean, there's all there's all kinds of freedom, um, and inner freedom is certainly one that that he talks about more and more as his career goes on. I mean, we'll get to those someday, right? When we talk about free yeah. yourself someday <laughs> from 2015. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe old and gray, but we'll still be talking. 
<laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that Prince, um, listen, he, he was very concerned with freedom, you know, from the beginning of his career. I, I wanted to um, just quote something that uh, Prince said um, in, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, induction speech in 2004. Can I just say a couple lines about yeah. what he said? Okay, yep. so this is how he started his, um, his, his acceptance speech. He said, when I first started out in this music industry, I was most concerned with freedom, freedom to produce, freedom to play all the instruments on my records, freedom to say anything I wanted to. And after much negotiation, Warner Brothers Records granted me that freedom, and I thank them for that. So yeah. that, you know, that very much is where his head is at, even in 1982, even as a 24-year-old. He, wa he was very aware of, you know, he, how, much, how much freedom should be valued you know whether and and freedom to change your mind right that's an inner freedom freedom to go most anywhere anytime that's an external freedom right so he's he's sort of citing the very the various forms um and and you know what's really striking to me is how he just keeps saying be glad he just yeah. he says be glad four times <laughs> in this chorus so it is a really like it is a song that's full of gratitude for for what he has that's i that's pretty much what i what i get out of it too yeah and and honestly as much as at the end of the day with his warner brothers contract he really struggled with with them and getting out of it at this point in his career so by 1982 he had you know obviously shown that he could produce arrange write record music on his own without any help if he didn't need it but the fact that he was granted for the most part granted the freedom to play all the instruments which was one of the selling points for his contract let's be honest but also produce his own music at such a young age uh, and when he says there's many a man who's not well that's practically every other artist <laughs> out there making yep. music was not granted this freedom record companies have to put money into artists they have to back them with 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 finance with money and so in order to recoup that they want they want something in return they want to be able to recoup the money that they've invested in these artists and if they don't think that for the most part an artist is it's wise for them to have complete total control over every aspect of what they do then they're not going to allow that they're going to say well you know we're not going to give you the money to make this record unless you have an outside producer or you get a co-writer or whatever and we've seen it countless times you want most artists have to establish themselves first before they're given this kind of freedom and he was kind of just given to him off faith and that's pretty impressive and 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 I'm glad, you know, when you had that quote from his induction, it it does look like he ex understood and really kind of took stock of that decision that Warner Brothers made with him in the early days. And he, and he may be some expressing some of that thankfulness right here in this song as well, his, that freedom he was given, knowing that a lot of people don't get that. 
That's right. And if you if you read this song as Prince talking to himself, it's a it's a reminder, right? Be glad yeah. that you're free. Um, there's many a man who's not, you know. And I I think too, you know, something that um, is really important to understanding Prince, and it's something we wrote about extensively in the Rise of Prince. Not to make a blatant pitch, but if you <laughs> if you read the beautiful ones, you know, Prince's uh, memoir, our our book covers that time period, right, 1958 to 1988, but it it goes way in depth. So if you're curious about anything that Prince was writing about, I would refer, refer you to our book. And, <laughs> and mm -hmm. one of the things we wrote about was actually Prince's ancestry. And Prince had uh, um, one ancestor in particular, it would be his, his great-great-grandfather, Edward Nelson. And Edward Nelson um, was the son of a slave owner in Louisiana named John Nelson and uh, a Cherokee woman who was a freed slave. And Edward was sort of a rebellious spirit who um, for all of his adult life referred to himself as black. In 1880, he, he married a black woman and became a traveling minister for the Colored Methodist Episcopal Church. And he was an advocate for the rights of African-Americans. And you know what, this is, this to me is Prince following his lineage. You know, he, he had ancestors who were fighters um, for freedom. And, and I think, you know, it might be important that you and I just know we're two white people, right? Talking mm -hmm. about a black man talking about freedom. And I just want to honor that. But I also want to want to say that this is very much in, in Prince's lineage to to have freedom as as a huge theme and something he was fighting for for day one and i i'm sure he was aware of all this too yeah yeah the, that goes back to the whole uh layers comment that was made earlier this song has layers and it has it has different can mean different things to different people depending on your perspective your place in life um your background your lineage it all matters how you interpret these songs. And so thank you for for pointing that out because it is, uh, you know, our background is going to be, we're going to have a little maybe different thoughts than others uh, whom, whom previous generations were not free. The freedoms that we take for granted and even to this day. So it's, it's good yep. to put that in perspective. So thanks for adding that. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. It's it, it's very important to keep this in uh, in context, you know, and so thanks for letting me express it. Next verse, uh, verse two goes, I know your heart is beating. My drummer tells me so. If you take your life for granted, your beating heart will go. So don't sleep until you're guilty because sinners all are weak. There's others doing far worse than us. So be glad that you are free. 
Paris 2 is is really interesting to me. Um, it's once again, it's a very poetic line. I mean, it's a very poetic verse. The lines in this in this verse and in the song in general, but in this verse particularly, each line is is very poetic. I know your heart is beating. My drummer tells me so. My drummer, and I don't think he's talking about Bobby Z. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, so, you know, his drummer, it, for me, is, is his heart when I'm thinking of this line in particular. I know your heart is beating. My drummer tells me so. so it's an interesting way to, to, to phrase that for me. Is that, I mean, do you get a different kind of take on that? Why, Laura? Is he saying, I know your heart is beating, or is he saying, I know my heart is beating? I hear your, but... Hmm, okay, interesting. I've heard both, so I, I don't know, but I, it kind of makes a difference, I guess. But, I, you know, literally, Jason, I was going, what does this line remind me of? I know my heart is beating, or I know your heart is beating. My drummer tells me so. And... I realized it was from Jesus Loves Me, you know, the childhood yeah. song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, For the Bible Tells Me So. And the way that Prince is singing this, right, it's such a, a, a lullaby-ish kind of um, delivery. It just is so striking when you end a line and tells me so, because that's, it just evokes Jesus Loves Me. For some reason, anyway, I was ripping my hair out for a while trying to remember what. No, it's, it's good from. call. Yeah, good call. yeah, but it 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 does have that feeling for me. But I I think too. Um, I you know what else this this verse really struck in me looking at it from the perspective of 2019. Um, the line about if you take your life for granted, your beating heart will go. It reminded me of way back home. And his song from Artificial Age, um, the 2014 album, where he mm -hmm. sings, you know, most of the people in this world are born dead, but I was born alive with this. I was born with this dream outside my head and it the beating heart inside of you. Right. That's like that's your soul. That's your passion. That's, you know, being born alive. Right. You've, you've got this aliveness to you. So don't take your life for granted because that's going to that will go. And it to me, that evokes that same idea that he revisited in 2014. Is that a crazy? No, a crazy no, thought. it's not crazy, because <laughs> when he says, if you take your life for granted, your beating heart will go. I don't get from that, like, literally, your heart is going to stop and you will die. Um, I get it more just or in the same context where he's talking about your spirit and, and the, what what drives people to do great things or be good people. It's just your beating heart, the love that you are able to give others. Uh, can't, can't take life for granted. Can't take people around you for granted. He says life, but life involves people as well. And to not take anybody for granted, the life you live, the people that that you love, and what drives you. And obviously, Prince was driven by music. We know this, and so he's maybe saying he's not going to take his life for granted as well. Like if we're thinking of this being, once again, if you could think, take it from this perspective that he's singing this to himself, he take, don't take your life for granted. Your beating heart will go. So don't take for granted that you're given this gift 
this musical gift, that once in a lifetime gift. And he shouldn't, he's not going to take it for granted. And he, at this point, you know, in his career, he's very young still. And so he has a lot of, lot of life left. And he's just reminding, maybe reminding himself a little bit. Don't take for granted this gift you have. Continue to make music. Continue to share this gift with others. To continue on, you know, your spirit will live on then after you're gone. If you're able to successfully do this. And I, you know, you can take a lot of things from that, but that's, that's how I like to think of it personally. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, I, th- I think that's right. It, it harkens back to, you know, his first album for you. I mean, where he sings, you know, my life with you, I share, right. That was, it, that's what he was <clears throat> doing. Everything. He was sharing his gifts. I mean, God gave him a gift and he was determined to share it so um yeah that's a beautiful reading of this what i mean what do you think about the line don't sleep until you're guilty what i mean because sinners all are we what what do you think that means don't sleep until you're guilty do you have any idea yeah that's that's a tough one that's a tough one that's a tricky line for sure it's tripped me up um as i'm going through these lyrics uh, in preparation for and even now it trips me up a little bit i mean the, because sinners all are we what I think he's trying to say, maybe not obviously, but what he's trying to say in my mind is that we, we all have flaws. We're all flawed human beings, sinners, and so to speak. So don't sleep until you're guilty. Sleep maybe big sleep, death, possibly. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But what makes us guilty? I don't, I'm not sure. That's what I keep getting tripped up around with this line. Don't sleep until you're guilty. I mean, is it because you're not using your gifts the way you're meant to use them? Don't sleep. I mean, if you think about most of the people in this world are born dead, right? I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It is a tricky line. Yeah. I'd be curious if listeners have any ideas on that one. Exactly. We're not Prince. We didn't write the lyrics. All (laughs) we can do is is glean information from from our own mind, but we're not the, the minds that that wrote it so it's good as we can do with that one <laughs> but the next line makes is, is pretty clear cut so we're <laughs> yeah there's others doing far worse than us so be glad that you are free be you know basically cheer up things aren't so bad <laughs> that's right things that's could right. be a hell of a lot worse yep that's right <laughs> so then after the second verse he goes into the chorus again which is sung uh, the same way the same lines but one thing i just wanted to mention with the chorus is the second to last line where it says, be glad for what you had, baby, what you've got. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's a minor, it's a minor thing, but I've always heard that line, be glad for what you have, baby, Mm -hmm. what you've got. So like, you know, current present tense, as opposed to past tense using the word had. So the, the lyrics that I'm reading from online mentioned that it's had and i when i listen to it again it does sound like had even though i've always heard have and if it is had if he did write had and that is the lyrics be glad for what you had baby what you've got it's a little interesting it's a little odd to use both past and present tense to talk about be glad for you know what you basically what you've been given in life so I guess maybe if it's past and present tense, he could be saying up to this point, be glad for all of that. Be glad that you've lived the life that you've lived up to this point. 
So be glad for what you've had and then also yeah. what you've got now. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I heard that the same way as you in the past. I, um, bl be glad for what you have, babe baby for what you got but you know what that's just repetitive it's just saying the same thing twice so it's actually like as you said it's a little more intriguing to to have had you know the past tense and now what you've got so um yeah. i like that reading i i never heard it that way until i i saw the lyrics um yeah you know yeah. written out me neither me neither so yeah i i'm glad that's and i've mentioned this in previous podcasts that's one of the the benefits for me doing this is reevaluating certain songs, listening to them again with lyrics in front of me, whether or not sometimes the lyrics are incorrect. Uh, and I'm very, <laughs> this is a completely, completely unrelated to the song we're doing. But with the release of the Beautiful Ones book last month, there's the handwritten lyrics to Soft and Wet. Soft oh. and Wet for whatever reason there's there's lines in that song that have been mis uh misheard misinterpreted mistranscribed <laughs> over the years and so like the entire internet is just filled with incorrect interpretations of lines from that song but now we have proof through prince's handwritten lyrics that have been published in the beautiful ones this is what the lyrics to soft and wet are i'm hoping that all of these lyric websites exist out there, fix that so we can eliminate these <laughs> incorrect lyrics. Because now we finally have proof, written proof from the man himself, what these lines should be. Oh my gosh. Do you have to go back and re-record your podcast about soft and wet? Or are you it's, good? <laughs> I'm good because I did I did an, um, an episode, a side episode that clarified it because I did the lyrics to that song. I did that episode and I and I questioned the lyrics because they didn't make sense to me. Right. And and a listener caught it, and they wrote in to me. They wrote me a message and told me what the line should be. How that listener knew, I don't know. He, <laughs> I asked him, and I never got a response back. But he he got it right. I mean, the lines he told wow. me way back, you know, earlier back in the spring of this year, 2019, way before the beautiful ones came out, he told me what those lines actually were. And they match up 100% to what was written in the Beautiful Ones book. And so I did a an episode, a side episode, to correct that um, way back when, because I really felt like, you know, having having gotten it wrong and so wrong, I really felt like I needed to do it over. <laughs> or one was, for the was, listeners. All right. <laughs> yeah, and I was very, like I said, I was very thankful for that because it finally yeah. clarified things and made you know a light bulb go on in my brain. Like that makes sense. What right. was written on the internet was gibberish. So. <laughs> right. Okay. Thank you. All right. Well, you have some good listeners, man. I'm telling you, they were on yeah. it. Yep. Yeah, I Impressive. do. I'm thankful. Thankful for every one of them. That's for sure. <laughs> Okay, so then we get to the bridge, and in the bridge, the first line in the bridge, soldiers are a margin. They're writing brand new laws. Will we all fight together for the most important cause? Will we all fight 
for the right to be free. Soldiers are marching right off the bat in the bridge. And that's, you know, I mentioned when we were talking about what are, what are those sounds at the beginning of the song? You and I both agree it kind of sounds like soldiers marching. And this line here in the bridge kind of strengthens, I guess, our opinion on that. It, it doesn't make it right or wrong. It just it adds more um, credence to our perspective on what what we're hearing there when he's talking about soldiers marching right there in the bridge yeah that's right it's uh, i mean i think i think it's kind of interesting you know as i was thinking about the literal interpretation of it of course i mean i don't want to completely not discuss you know that this was 1982 there was this huge fear of the proliferation of nuclear weapons right we were you know, we were in this Cold War. I, you know, I don't know if I 100% see Prince as a Cold Warrior, or, but, right. but I mean, I think it's also interesting to think about the fact that with this album, with 1999, Prince began to test the name The Revolution for his band, right? It, it's yeah. on the back cover. So th this is the first time that we see Prince and the Revolution. So I don't think it's really a coincidence that we're talking about soldiers. You know, Prince was sort of talking about his own revolution too. And, you know, again, I, I don't wanna dwell too much on, on, you know, things that Bobby Z has said, but he's been really interesting talking about this period. and. He, in fact, like there's a um, December 2016 issue of Minneapolis St. Paul magazine that had a huge feature on Bobby Z. And in it, Bobby said that, you know, Bobby was in the hospital in 2010. He had a very serious heart attack and Prince came to visit and Prince said to Bobby's son, you know, your dad was a good soldier. And. You know, I don't want to draw too much meaning to that, except that I do think Prince saw this as a revolution. I do think he he viewed himself somewhat as a as a revolutionary figure. And if you read this bridge that way, as you know, he and his band are soldiers marching, writing brand new laws. I mean, there is an argument that he's talking about the Warners contract. Will we fight for the most important cause? Because, you know, otherwise, like, Jason, I was sitting here going, who is he talking about? What soldiers? In the U.S., there weren't soldiers marching and writing new laws. Where, right. what is, you know, do you, did you have any ideas about that? No, I think I was just, I think when I hear these lines, I'm thinking more, I am taking a little bit of it literally when, I've ever heard it before, not necessarily talking about it in the United States, um, but just thinking of it like there's always that risk that there could be leaders that are elected that don't always have the the people's best interests in mind. That there's going to be this, you know, this um, like the theory of 1984 theory where big brother's going to be looking after us and, and we're going to be living in a society that doesn't have these freedoms anymore. Um, freedom of choice is going to start to dwindle. We're going to be given two options, you know, and then pick this or that. And, and this, this idea that this could happen, um, I feel like it was still very much a part of living in the, in that era, living at that time, the idea that, 
we were going to become a dictatorship or that we were going to be living in a society with uh, where we're going to be watched and making sure that um, I mean, a lot of even a lot of um, art from that time and a little bit forward thought of technology really kind of eroding some of our freedoms away. And, and it's still and it's still that way. People are a little afraid now. You, you talk to some people like, oh, well, you know, soon we're just going to be a number. We're going to have chips implanted into our brain. The government's going to watch us at all times and know what we're up to. There's been there's been movies about being able to predict crimes in advance based off of technology and Prince. I don't want to say feared the future or feared technology, but there was certainly some caution and he expressed that caution a lot on this album, but in, in other, in other um, albums as well, the, the song party up that, that uh, you know, we did together he is concerned about being drafted again. So, I mean, there's like this distrust of government still, I think, a little bit buried underneath the surface and distrust of authority figures, um, distrust of older generations that maybe are afraid of, of the youth of that time. So writing brand new laws, you know, I mean, I don't know exactly specifically what he's referring to in that line, but all I just think of is the stuff that we still, <laughs> you know, that we're still kind of concerned about as a society today. Like we, we have these freedoms now, but you just never know. You get the right, you know, the right leader in there that galvanizes a larger percentage of our population to give up some of these rights for whatever reason because they feel like it's for the greater good or for safety or, you know, post 9-11 world, you know, we gave up a lot of freedoms you know, to travel and do things, go across borders. And I mean, I might be stretching it and I might be reaching, but part of me thinks that there's some concern there, always kind of ingrained in, in Prince a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, I like that. I mean, it's, it's interesting what you're saying too about, technology because um i don't know if you remember but back then time magazine would always have a man of the year and yes back then it was always a man <laughs> but yeah do you know who it was in 1982 i don't know bill gates <laughs> <laughs> close it was the computer oh the computer okay yep. And so, you know, this is very timely with 1999. You know, there was a huge amount of concern about our computers taking over. Are they going to take over the world? Are they going to, you know, like you like you said, there was a fear about that. And I mean, this sounds it's funny now because in retrospect, it seems like, oh, it's impossible that this ever would have happened. But the, the fear of nuclear annihilation, that was real. You know, yeah. people really thought that that was going to happen. I mean, I, I remember um, in high school, we had to watch this movie. It was called On the Beach. It was an Australian <laughs> movie. It was essentially, you know, the, these people living post-nuclear annihilation. It was this apocalyptic <laughs> movie. Yeah. And that's what they were showing the kids. You know, we really thought, um, we really thought that that was very potentially in our future. So, um, you know, it's almost like now it's impossible, you know, with, with the benefit of, you know, where we sit now, it seems like, oh yeah, right. That would never have happened. But we didn't know at the time 
you know, it was, it was a huge fear. It was on everybody's minds. I mean, in high school, we were scared. We, we were really scared. And I mean, the, the best thing we were told was, you know, we had these sort of drills and, you know, we were supposed to sit under our desk or something, which, you know, I'm sorry, this little piece of plywood and metal isn't really <laughs> nope <laughs> really going to do much in the in the face of nuclear annihilation but okay <laughs> yeah so. duck and cover nice try though <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly i guess every generation has their thing right but um but yeah i mean I, I, this was a real real and present thing in people's minds and and i think the bridge shows it uh very much so yeah, I had to mention though also we're talking soldiers and, and what's the name that they call that's given to uh Prince's former bandmates true funk soldiers. So Yep. Yep. Bobby <laughs> Z was a soldier according to Prince, right? Yeah. So uh yeah, I mean again, um we can read this on a lot of levels, which is what makes it fun. Will we, and he's asking questions in the bridge, will we all fight together for the most important cause? Will we all fight for the right to be free? Yeah. I mean, the rhetorical questions that he's just kind of posing, I think, to get us to think, like, what's important to us for the most important cause? He doesn't tell us what that most important cause is because everybody's going to have their own most important cause. Now, if, if freedom is the most important cause and we're just talking about that very generally, OK, that's fine. I think most people, you know, v- value freedom what that means to them may vary, but we all have to kind of have that thing that we're going to fight for. And if it's freedom, freedom of what? And so we, we have to all decide that for ourselves. He's not going to decide for us. We have to know what that most important cause is and fight for that right. This is very dramatic, isn't it? <laughs> it's very dramatic lines. Yeah. Yeah. He really goes there. And it's, Suggest that we should all count our blessings. And I mentioned that before because I think that that's still an important piece to this song because now after that bridge, you know, we start getting the guitar comes in and it's it's a very big soaring guitar that goes through this this last portion of the song where he's just, at this point now, he's given up his falsetto. He set that aside. Now he's singing these lines in a more passionate way, you know. Free, free to change my mind, free to go almost anywhere, anytime. And he sings these lines again. There's many a man who's not. Be glad for what I had. Be glad for what I've got. And also in this last section of the song, as I mentioned, he's singing way more passionately. He's not in falsetto anymore. There's a soaring guitar in the background. In this section, he's got background singers. And so they're kind of like repeating his lines. So he'll say, free to go most anywhere, anytime. And then in the background, you'll hear these women singing the same lines behind them. And it's it, this song is notable. I'm sure that you have recognized this as well from your research, that this has been 
considered Wendy Melvoin's first appearance on a Prince song, which yep. is interesting. That's right. Certainly not her last, but yeah, no. the first, uh, the first <clears throat> in the catalog. That's right. Wendy, Lisa, right, is also yep. singing, and and Vanity and Jill Jones. Is that right? That's what's listed in in the credits. Like if you go to um, the Prince Vault, yeah, it's it's up. They're all listed there. They're all listed wow. as, and that's you know a very reputable website in terms of yeah information. So. You know, I mean, obviously they're in the background, so you, there's no way that you can pick out any of their voices. Um, it's like, oh, yeah, that's definitely Vanity back there. So there must have been some sort of, you know, documentation or somebody who was there said, yeah, here's yeah. all the people that were part of that background singing section. Wow. And Wendy wouldn't join the band for another year plus if this was recorded in April of 82, because it was like, wasn't it like mid-83 or yeah. somewhere around that time You're that she right. joined? Yeah, this was really early on. So yeah, that's that's basically how the song ends. He repeats all these lines, kind of just stuff from the chorus with, you know, like I said, a lot more passion, a lot more uh, grittiness to it, the guitar. But then it gets real quiet again, and the guitar solo ends, and then it's just him and his piano, just the way it just the way it started it ends in the same fashion. So I like how it comes full circle that way. It starts really quiet with piano, gets really big and, and loud and dramatic, and then it ends very quietly and beautifully. And, and that uh, ending for this song really strikes me. It really sticks with me. Mm. How do you yeah. feel about the ending of the song? Yeah. Yeah, it is a full circle kind of song, isn't it? It ends the way it begins. I mean, it's it's such a, you know, it's such a satisfying song in a lot of ways. I think it's, you know, the one thing we haven't talked about is how often Prince played this song in concert. Mm, I mean, were you yeah. struck by that? I was really struck. Yeah, I, I, it was recorded for the One Night Alone album, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it was on the album. Yeah, that's right. So it was it was not only on 1999, but it was on One Night Alone, which is what, 2001? Yeah. Um, yeah, and he played it very regularly. I mean, even, you know, during the Love Sexy tour, he played it. And, and touchingly, he played it um, during the piano and microphone tour. I mean, the last tour yep. of his life. I, I Prince Vault says that um, the last time Free was played live was February 20th, 2016 at the Sydney Opera House, which was, um, you know, <laughs> an incredible setting. So, I, you know, I think Free, Free is a song that I can imagine, you know, as a performer would be fun to perform live because it's easy for the crowd to sing. You know, the chorus is easy. It's simple. Be glad you're free, free to change your mind. You know what I mean? It's a very yeah. simple chorus. It's catchy. It's not, you know, he doesn't sing the chorus in his falsetto. He sings it in like a real person <laughs> register that yeah. a lot of us could at least attempt to sing along. Um, it's a great kind of stadium anthem. It's the words are easy. It's fun to sing. So I can see why he played it a lot during his career. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He did play it a lot. It was a song that he certainly uh, held on to throughout his career. It, it, even though it was written a very long time ago, the the messages here 
and I kind of alluded to it when I was talking when we were talking about the bridge and just some of the things that you know may have led to the line soldiers are marching they're writing brand new laws uh, I really feel like all of these lyrics unlike a song like Annie Christian or Ronnie Talk to Russia uh, those songs are very dated and of a of a specific time this song has lyrics that are timeless and the message here applies in 1982 it applies in 1995 it applies in 2001 it applies in 2016 it applies forever because freedom as human beings we crave that we need that we need we need that freedom whether or not it's physical freedom mental freedom it's it's something that everybody can relate to and as you said, it's a it's a easy sing along song. We can all get on board with it. It's not sexually explicit, so you know later on in his career, it's a song that he can sing without changing the words, and it can mean different things to different people as they're singing it. They can all think back to their own lives and what what they're str- maybe struggling with, and apply it there. So it it doesn't have to mean one thing. It's it's general enough that it allows it to be interpreted in any way we want it to interpret, but it's also specific enough about freedom, which we can all get behind, I think. And that's that's what makes it a timeless song, and that's what makes it so important. You know, I, I think that's all true. And, you know, as I was reading The Beautiful Ones, um, Prince's memoir, it was published in late October of 2019, and... Um, I just wanted to say one line that that Prince, it, it, that it, it's in the book, um, and Dan Peepenbring, who is the co-writer, um, he was hired to write with Prince. Peepenbring says that Prince told him this, and it's a quote, if I want this book to be about one overarching thing, it's freedom, and the freedom to create autonomously without anyone telling you what to do or how or why. Yeah. He said it from the beginning of his career to the end of his career. And uh, I'm so grateful for the chance to talk about this with you, Jason. Thank you. I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. uh, I'm glad that you have, that you have taken your freedom (laughs) to join me today because (laughs) I think there's enough going on in this song that really, really speaks to having another opinion. Now, I could probably get five or six other guests and we might all have different thoughts on the lyrics, depending on what would be really cool is to have different people from different backgrounds, um, just coming from different countries and how this song really means to them. And that would be so cool. So I'm really hoping that that listeners who maybe live in a different part of the world or maybe had a different um, upbringing can listen to the song and maybe tell me how this song means to them because it's it's a deep song and it doesn't have to mean necessarily like literal freedom in the society that you're in like a democratic society it can mean so many things and how we should all be thankful and i'm thankful um, that i have the freedom to to create a podcast talking about Prince's lyrics because I've really enjoyed it. I'm up to episode 43 now. This is episode 43. <laughs> so, <laughs> yay! Yeah, and, and so I. Progress. It is. It's progress, and 
I am just thankful to to be here healthy, happy, and able to talk about the lyrics to a man who created a lot of, of really, really amazing music. This song is timeless. The song is beautiful. And I wanted to thank Laura Tiber for joining me. Thank you, Laura. Thanks, Jason. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. This has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Greninger. Big thank you again to Laura Tiber. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.